Good morning, and we welcome to the program for the first time, Batesville native and the commissioner of the Indiana Commission for Higher Education, Chris Lowry. Good morning to you, Chris. How are you doing this morning? Tom, good morning to you, too. I'm doing very well, and thanks so much for having me on this morning. Yeah, great to have you. I've, uh, I've uh, ever since you were uh, named uh, commissioner of the uh, Indiana Commission for Higher Education, I've been thinking, I got to talk to Chris Lowry, get a, get a, a little bit about, uh, find out about him, and also uh, find out about the um, uh, what the uh, the commission does and so forth. But first off, Chris, uh, of course, has mentioned uh, a Batesville native, but uh, could you give us a little bit about your background, please? Oh, well, Tom, thanks so much. You're right. Batesville has been home for Gerilyn and me and, uh, well, and our now adult children for 30-some or 30 years now, I guess. And, uh, yeah, it, it's home. And, um, yeah, Gerilyn and I moved in the uh, early 90s to Batesville and decided to do so very intentionally because we, we literally thought it was just one of the best communities in the state. That's where we wanted to uh, have and raise children. My background, um, I tell folks my life uh, professionally has sort of been lived in decades, if you will. Um, after undergrad experience at um, Indiana University, I spent about 10 years in public policy, most of that uh, in and around the state house, uh, including uh, having worked for former Governor Bob Orr and uh, very much uh, uh, somewhat ironically in education reform. Then the next two decades, uh, almost two decades, I spent uh, working for one of my very favorite employers uh, anywhere, and that's Hill and Brand. I was with uh, Hill and Brand almost 20 years, uh, gosh, about 15 of those with Batesville Cassidy Company and a variety of roles uh, the last five or so years at the corporate center, uh, working with, uh, you know, former CEO uh, Tim Camp and former CEO Joe Rager and others uh, in public policy, corporate communications, and a variety of other areas. And now for not quite a decade, a little over eight years, I have been in higher education. Uh, I was with Ivy Tech Community College for about seven and a half years, uh, most of that time standing up and leading their workforce side of the college. Uh, It hadn't been a formal uh, part of the organization the way we uh, actually built it out. But uh, anyway, uh, at the request of President Sue Elsmerman, who had been a friend for a long time prior to working together, uh, she had asked me to stand that up and then lead it. And then, yes, most recently, um, gosh, not quite eight months ago, I was selected to be the commissioner for higher education here in Indiana. Now, uh, didn't you also have a stint on the uh, Batesville School Board as well somewhere in there? Oh, my goodness, Tom. Yes, I did. And it was it was truly one of the, you know, uh, gosh, best experiences of my life. Um, you know, I'd had this taste of education from the policy side, having worked many years ago for Bob Orr, uh, stayed very interested in it, uh, the K-12 side, the higher ed side, and a position became open back in the early 2000s, and some folks said to me, you know, Chris, you you ought to consider you've got this interest in it, you've always been engaged because your kids are in the schools, and and I I said, well, I think I will become interested, and then, you know, ended up uh, leading the board as president, I think, for seven or eight years out of the 12 years that I was on. And, you know, Tommy, it was it was absolutely one of the best experiences of my life um, in that we had the opportunity to start to create some unique things for Batesville that um, probably most people don't realize 
became a model for other parts of the state, and it was really to bring together um, K-12 uh, with our local employers like Hill and Brand, Batesville, uh, Tool and Die, and others, and to bring together then ultimately uh, Ivy Tech Community College. As you probably know, Ivy Tech had only really only existed in a couple little rooms over at the former IGA building, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, many of us thought, gosh, there's a strategy here uh, that's not really being executed uh, across the state. And, of course, we're most interested about our own community to, to really bring together K-12 employers and higher ed. And, of course, then we ultimately, um, you know, work to locate an Ivy Tech campus. Um, you know, I was very closely involved in the fundraising, you know, for that. And again, you know, it's just become a model to help students by the time they graduate from high school uh, to have a, a college credential of value. So whether they're going directly into the workforce or whether they're matriculating to a college or university, um, Batesville is literally leading the way in our state now uh, in terms of the percent to graduate uh, not only with a high school diploma but with a college uh, with a college credential. It's um, yeah, it, it, it's just really uh, gratifying to look back and to look at the, the really hard work that a number of folks did in bringing that forth. And, and as I said, it, it, it has served as a model in a number of ways uh, for policymakers, institutions, and communities. And, of course, uh, you, you mentioned uh, policy and uh, things of that nature. The fact that uh, that was part of your uh, your function at uh, Hillenbrand was uh, public policy. Now, uh, people probably th- don't think of hospital beds and uh, manufacturing, things of like that. But uh, really, I mean, can you explain how uh, that kind of works there uh, with a, a company like a Hillenbrand or even a Batesville Casket Company? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when you think about it, um, Industry, you know, any business to some degree uh, is is regulated, uh, is also a key component, I, I think, right at the heart of being a key component uh, on the degree to which a community thrives. Um, you know, uh, I would absolutely contend that part of the reason, uh, a significant reason, that our community, Batesville, uh, is, is, you know, such a wonderful place to live it's because those businesses are located located there, and you know their sheer employment of individuals, but also also their investments in the community, you know, lead to that to that quality of life. So, from a public policy standpoint, um, you know, uh, whether it's from the corporate view or from a higher ed institution's view, uh, you know, we were we were very interested in uh, ways in which public policy would help um, accelerate development of the talent pipeline, right? So uh, whether it was things that uh, K-12 could be looking at or, or, you know, uh, legislators, the governor and others, to um, make it easier for um, K-12 to work with employers or for higher ed to work with employers. Uh, I'll, I'll give you like a really finite example to maybe to maybe frame this up. Um, there is something called Earn Indiana, and um, Earn Indiana allows an employer to hire interns, you know, folks who are doing work and learn experiences, 
receive a tax credit for doing so if they're, especially if they're, um, uh, if they're employing students who are lower income. So there's a there's a tax credit for doing that, and it creates an incentive to uh, to hire those interns and to you know take care of some of the overhaul head costs for administering them, and in the process. Right, it, it, it's really a virtuous cycle because the student gets exposed to, uh, you know, on-the-job training and education, plus you know some income in the process. The employer gets a chance to, uh, you know, see if this is an individual who might uh, someday, you know, be offered a permanent job. And uh, I think it's Gallup that shows that over 60% of folks who do internships. Uh, have those resulting in a job offer. So, right, so that's a really finite example of it, but that's something that I know when, when I was at Hillenbrand, you know, we, we supported, uh, uh, it, it's still around, it's thriving, the Indiana Chamber of Commerce oversees it now, and, uh, and, and it's also been expanded. You know, the scope of it has been expanded, uh, you know, the students who qualify for it. So that, that's an example, again, it's, uh, you know, it's very defined. But other other areas where we're focusing, um, and you know, was the case, you know, whether when I was in industry or other friends who are today, you know, in in business or the work we do in higher education, programs like the Workforce Ready Grants, uh, which help individuals skill up and get the necessary uh, credentials and so forth that help them to qualify to fill those positions that our employers are are trying to fill. You know, the labor market's tight. Uh, it's going to be for some time, sort of regardless of what happens in the economy, for a lot of demographic reasons. And um, so it's those kind of programs that can help an individual and can help the employer in the process with um, uh, talent pipeline, sort of, the, you know, at the highest level. All right. And then with that, we're going to go ahead and take a quick time out and uh, we'll uh, take a look at the uh, current duties are uh, taken care of by Chris Lowry. He is the commissioner for the Indiana Commission for Higher Education, and we'll continue uh, with more with Chris right after this. Don't adjust your radio. The sound that you hear is your stomach. You're having trouble focusing. You can't recall your last meal. You're trapped in the hunger zone. The solution, Batesville to go. Let To Go deliver a hot, fresh meal to your home or office whenever hunger strikes. To Go delivers the best food from local restaurants. Visit us online at togodelivers.com or call us at 812-727-8800. Batesville To Go, big city convenience, small town taste. And welcome back as we continue our visit with the Commissioner of the Indiana Commission for Higher Education and Batesville native Chris Lowry. And uh, we uh, talked about uh, what you have been, what you uh, did to this point. And uh, now, as you mentioned, uh, uh, you're appointed to uh, fill the, uh, that, uh, p- the post that you're currently in. And can you give us a little bit about uh, what you do uh, pretty much, uh, I guess, uh, from day to day, although I'm sure uh, not every day is the same, but uh, could you give us a little bit of a snapshot of uh, what you do uh, leading this group? Yes, Tom, thank you. Um, so really quickly, the role of the Commission for Higher Education is to serve as the coordinating body for all of our public institutions. And so if you think about, uh, we have two um, uh, Research One institutions, Purdue University and Indiana University. We also have three comprehensive universities, Ball State, Indiana State, University of Southern Indiana. And then we also have two 
two-year institutions, Ivy Tech and Vincent. So working with them, coordinating with them on strategy, policy, and other areas to move not only our institutions forward, but opportunities for individuals, uh, for our employers, and for our communities. We administer um, all of the financial aid for uh, colleges and universities in Indiana. Here's, here's a statistic that uh, probably most people don't know. Indiana is first in the Midwest, or yeah, first in the Midwest and fifth in the nation in need-based financial aid. I mean, it's, it's really it's really robust. Well, we administer that. Uh, it's around four hundred million dollars in uh, programs uh, on an annual basis, and you know when people ask, so as you just did, Tom, what's your day look like? I always, I always refer to uh, to sort of these three points that. You know, my focus, folks of our team at, at a very high level is around policies, programs, and partnerships. And so the policy area, we're, we're really getting into that time of year um, with the legislative session uh, just about to get underway where we're looking at the funding models and where we're looking at um, things like our 21st Century Scholars Program, uh, dual credit, uh, you know, those things would assist students and our institutions to better serve Indiana. Uh, you know, we continue to focus on how to make our programs more robust. Uh, very recently, uh, we had uh, approval from the state to expand our Franco Bannon grant, which is targeted toward low-income students. It had not been adjusted since cuts were made in 2009 during the Great uh, Recession, so we received approval uh, to increase and, and spread out that aid to more students to, to help them go to school. So that is an example of something very recent we've done. Uh, we were able to get the cuts restored from that 13 years ago and uh, adjusted upward for inflation. And then on partnerships, you know, um, you ask about my time uh, on the school board while I was uh, working with Hillenbrand. Yeah, I think I saw there as well as anywhere that when we think of education, when we think of business, when we think of our communities, um, you know, we get the best outcomes when we're thinking about how we're partnering. And an area of focus for us is what I've started to describe as a Pentagon. And if you go around that Pentagon, I think there are five key areas, and I very much believe this about um, the Commission for Higher Education, that we have to have focus. You know, we're part of government. And so government is part of this, but government can't be the only part of this. Um, there's education, and that includes our public institution. It includes working with our 29 private colleges and universities in Indiana. Uh, a third leg of that being business. If we're not responsive to what business needs, if we're not looking to um, understand what they're going to need not only today but tomorrow in terms of research, in terms of the talent pipeline, if we're not paying attention to that, we've really missed it. But then also uh, looking at how philanthropy plays a role in all of this. Uh, you know, I remind folks all the time how fortunate we are as a state, you know, whether it's uh, uh, the, the community foundations across the state like those in you know, the Ripley County Community Foundation and others, or whether it's the Lilly Endowment and Lumina Foundation you know, that are national and global in scope. Uh, we have to be focusing on that. But then also to uh, help reach uh, Hoosiers who may not be reached in other manners, you know, through uh, typical outreach or through their place of employment and so forth. The fifth piece of this that I think is critically important 
is to be working with our community and faith-based organizations. Um, you know, and quite frankly, oftentimes, um, you know, folks are serviced uh, and supported through, you know, whether it's in a neighborhood or whether it's, um, <clears throat> pardon me, as I said, through a faith-based organization, uh, we can reach more students and or more potential students uh, with the opportunities of higher education for working there. So policy programs and partnerships and um, th- those are areas I know where I spend, you know, my day and often evenings, you know, meeting with folks and, and trying to bring together consensus on uh, what we're trying to do for Indiana. And I know uh, one thing that I think the commission has been uh, very involved in is uh, FAFSA, the fact that uh, there's so much uh, funding in the state of Indiana that's left on the table because students uh, don't always apply for the FAFSA. Yeah, you know, that is a focus for us again uh, this coming legislative session from a policy standpoint. And I just have to say there is there is no better champion of what we're trying to do with FAFSA than Senator Jean Lysing. Um, she, I know, I wouldn't ever speak for her, but I know she's going to be filing a bill to make that much easier. And rather than, um, you know, working to get everyone to fill out that form, uh, you know, uh, what the proposal essentially is, is to have an opt-out provision that everyone's going to fill it out unless the student uh, and or, you know, family says, no, we don't want to do that. Um, You know, the latest numbers I've seen, Tom, are that between uh, state and federal aid, our students who don't complete the FAFSA uh, are leaving approximately uh, $65 million a year in financial aid on the table. And, you know, that's a game changer. We we know that uh, there are three primary reasons that some folks don't pursue higher education or training beyond high school. And the first one is around the question of affordability. Um, so, you know, moving on that is really key. And, and we're just, you know, we are so fortunate to have Senator Lysing's uh, leadership on that. And, you know, again, I think it fits very closely to a lot of other things on which we're working. You know, the, the recent expansion of the Franco Bannon grant, that's going to be really significant for Hoosier students, making it accessible both for more students and uh, and more accessible already for those who are already engaged and hopefully you know preventing them from dropping out because of you know the financial challenges you know part of what we're doing too tom is related to to affordability we want to keep the pressure on keeping costs as low as possible Uh, i didn't know until i entered this job and started asking for some numbers our state institutions when you look back over the last 10 years, when you adjust it for inflation, and that's before this latest, you know, spike in in inflation, uh, and even better if you look at that, but when adjusted for inflation over the past 10 years, our state institutions, those that I named a few moments ago, are actually below zero in terms of increases in in tuition and fees. I mean, that's, that's pretty remarkable because we hear uh, and rightly so, you know, the challenging cost of, of higher ed. But our institutions have been, you know, they've, they've listened and they've really tried to hold the line. And, you know, so we, so we have, um, you know, strong institutions that are really focused on that. We're trying to continue to be focused on that. Um, FAFSA expansion uh, is going to be beneficial. You know, the Franco Bannon expansion, 
Um, you know, we're looking at the 21st Century Scholars Program and trying to uh, make that much easier for a student to become enrolled. You know, that's a program where students sign up in middle school, and then they have a number 12 different requirements to meet during their high school years. And it just it makes them stronger students, and it makes them much more uh, likely to go to training and uh, higher ed beyond high school and then be successful. Uh, Tom, I have to share this statistic with you around that. We, the, the college going rate, so leaving high school and, and going to training or education beyond high school, has fallen in the last five years. It's fallen across the nation, uh, but you know, we're paying attention to Indiana. It's fallen from 65% of students do, you know, moving on to college or university down to 53. What's been interesting is those 21st century scholars, 81% of those students go. The challenge is we only today get about half of them signed up. It's need-based, um, pretty much essentially students who qualify for free and reduced lunch. Uh, their low-income peers who aren't signed up don't go through these, you know, through these steps. It's only 30%. So we think there's you know, remarkable opportunity to help more students uh, go to college, complete. Uh, and then lastly, I would also have to say in that regard, uh, we're also focusing on keeping more students in Indiana once they complete uh, because, you know, uh, of course, I've, I've lived here almost all of my life, you know, with the exception of year, and just think it's a it's an incredible place to you know live, work, play, and uh, I just want more of those uh, uh, graduates to stay here in Indiana. And uh, to echo what you said about uh, Senator Lysing, uh, we've had uh, several conversations regarding FAFSA on this program. So, yeah, she has uh, really been uh, been pretty uh, championing uh, that cause. But uh, um, anything else, uh, Chris Lowry, uh, before we uh, let you uh, resume your day? You know, not really, Tom, but, you know, I'd go back to some questions you were asking. And, you know, the, the, the kind of work that we're uh, – doing today at the commission again you know heading into the legislature is you know focused on you know creating more opportunities for individual hoosiers you know the, the facts uh just speak to this need individuals who you know receive training education beyond high school have better economic and social outcomes you know whether that's in wages you know labor participation uh, you know a number of other factors and you know i always i always point to pride with pride to the work that uh, goes on in Batesville. You know, the relationships between, um, you know, the school corporation, employers, um, you know, higher ed, um, you know, the community, it, it, it's really rich. Um, uh, I, I never forget that it's, it's pretty special. And uh, now in my new role, I think, you know, uh, regularly about, uh, you know, the ability to look at and, as I said earlier, model what kind of work that's been going on there. So, so I consider myself really fortunate. I get to do uh, I get to do this kind of work, and, um, you know, I also get to call Batesville home. So thanks for taking time to talk with me, and happy holidays to all your listeners, too. All right. Well, thank you very much, uh, Chris Lowry, Commissioner of the Indiana Commission for Higher Education. Again, uh, thank you for joining us uh, this morning. Stay well and uh, look forward to uh, talking to you once again down the road. Thanks, Tom, and you too.